0: To Texans Unfiltered. Here we go, here we go. A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. Alright, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Yangari Gold, and tonight I am not joined by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. Uh he had some things come up, so I am going to do my first solo podcast, and it's an interesting podcast to do by myself, um, but I'm going to give it a shot. I know you guys are dying for an uh, episode to talk about the Broncos game, um, and I didn't want to keep you guys waiting, so I am going to do this solo tonight. So before I hop into everything, obviously you know the drill, Um Texans Unfiltered is brought to you by Run Game Clothing. Go to RunGameClothing.com. Use promo code UNFILTERED at checkout for 15% off your order. Run Game Clothing is where you go to get all of your Houston sports apparel and swag. Uh, Go to RunGameClothing.com. Use promo code UNFILTERED for 15% off your order. All right. Well, yesterday was very interesting. I woke up. Uh, or I, I actually I didn't wake up. I went Saturday night, drove down with my little guy. Um, we stayed the night in Houston, hung out with my family, um, with uh, tickets to the Broncos game. Had really good seats, found a really good deal. Um, we were both really excited to go. Um, the morning was awesome. Spent some time with Mike Milter and Stephanie Stradley out at the uh, at the tailgate. It was cool to meet Mike um, in person. Uh, really cool dude. Um, went to, the, to NRG uh, early, and my seven-year-old got to play catch with J.J. Watt. Pretty cool. Good start to the day, right? Um, and then the game started. And there's a lot to get into, and there's a lot of questions from listeners. I think most of our podcast today will probably be spent talking uh, about the questions that were asked. Um, but, you know, my instant reactions to the game... You know, honestly, I wasn't really too upset at first. Um still not really too upset. You know, I think uh I think these types of things happen in the NFL more often than you realize. You know, I'm watching a 2 and 10 New York Giants currently leading the Philadelphia Eagles 17 to 3 with Eli Manning at quarterback. Um you know things like this happen in the NFL. It, it doesn't excuse it. Doesn't make it okay. Obviously, we're here to talk about kind of what the issues were and some of the things that we saw, or I saw. Um, I didn't get to rewatch the entire game today, uh, but I, I watched some of it. I'll be rewatching it tomorrow and doing the whole thread on the theme of tonight's podcast. Um, but before I get into kind of the you know the ups and downs, kind of my instant reaction. Um, at first, it was really the fourth and one empty set. A uh, call in the second quarter at the two-minute mark. Um, you know you were you were down, what twenty-four I believe, twenty-four to three at that time. Uh, you've been running the ball pretty well. Really, the the play call there, I wasn't a big fan of. Um, and I know right now Bill O'Brien's getting a ton of blame. Bill O'Brien's getting really all the blame um, for yesterday. And I understand it. Um, I understand the frustrations from the fans regarding kind of how the team performed, you know, the, how they showed up. But I really don't think Bill O'Brien was was much of the issue yesterday. And we'll get into a little bit of where I really thought the problems uh, lied yesterday. But uh, the fourth and one empty set call—that's like one of the first things that comes to mind. Um, I, I just didn't understand it. You know, we we got a first down, two first downs previous to this. On a third and one uh, with a run, um, you know the de- the the rush the run defense for the Broncos really isn't top tier. You know you probably could have gotten a yard. Uh, I, I don't know, just in that moment where you were at on the field, I think uh, throwing a pass is really just not one of the smarter moves that or smarter plays that you can call. I get why he did it. You know it wasn't a bad play call. Had Deshaun just waited one, you know, half a second. Longer, he would have hit hop in the slant, Um, but that's not what happened. And I don't know, uh, you know, if I had to say one thing about Bill O'Brien yesterday, that was the one thing that stood out. Um, On defense, the rotating of the corners, I really don't understand why we didn't just keep the same corners in the game. Um, The corners really weren't the biggest issue yesterday in coverage. Um, It was safeties and linebackers. Uh, with the tight ends, but I, I did find that uh, a bit concerning, the fact that we didn't have like Conley, Roby, and J. Joe, or Conley, Roby, and Lonnie, or Conley, Roby, and Hargraves. Uh, J. Joe, Conley, and uh, Roby kept getting rotated out throughout the game, and I think when you think of like the flow of the game, it really doesn't make sense at that point to conti- continually like, rotate them out, especially considering this is the first time that All of the corners have been healthy and were able to play. You know, last week we missed Conley. Prior to that, we missed Roby, you know, and Lonnie. Um, With all the acquisitions that we've made in the secondary, um, it was was quite interesting to think that that would be the approach on defense. But like I said, it really wasn't like a a corner. Like the corners really weren't the problem yesterday. Um, It was the middle of the field was the biggest issue. It's been the biggest issue of this defense all year. Um, they tend to give up everything over the middle. Uh, I really can't understand why that hasn't been corrected, um, but Noah Fant ate us up yesterday. True uh, luck sliced us up in the middle of the field. He was hitting his running backs, tight ends. I think they had like 190 yards uh, total. Uh, Noah Fant, I think, had like 120 yards. Uh, first pl- drive of uh, in the first quarter on offense for the Broncos, they hit Noah Fant for a huge gain. Um it, it yesterday was just one of those really weird games where you you wonder you know the coming off of that victory against the Patriots you could tell in the locker room after the game that it was a very emotional win right Bill O'Brien got the game ball uh, you know Deshaun Watson was was lighting it up the team played its best game that they've played under the Bill O'Brien era really manhandled the Patriots from beginning to end. You know, you wonder how much of, you know, the preparation and everything else that went into it, how taxing it might have been mentally. And this doesn't mean making excuses for the team. It's really me trying to have an understanding of what potentially led to this. It's inexcusable, I'll say that. Uh, I know probably most of you were expecting me to come on here and be pissed off uh, at Bill O'Brien. Um, irritated with how it happened, you know, losing to a 4-8 team with a rookie quarterback making only a second start. Uh, not a very talented offense uh, in Denver. Uh, but they have some pieces, and I, I don't think Denver's too far away. I don't know what to think of Drew Locke yet. I could tell you if you just went based off of yesterday's performance, um, they probably have their franchise quarterback. Uh, but even the week prior, he's looked pretty good. When you look at the weapons around him with Cortland Sutton in the second year, Noah Fant in his first year, Philip Lindsay, uh, the offensive line is starting to gel. Uh, you know they have good pieces on defense. Uh, they, they may have the best safety duo in the league with with Simmons and obviously Kareem Jackson. Um, I really don't think this team is as bad as their record indicated. I think this team is good. Do I think they're as good as what they were yesterday? Now not at all. Um, I think it just happened to be a combination of everything that they needed to go right went right, and everything that the Texans needed to go wrong went wrong. But, uh, anyways, so this mm-hmm. isn't a Broncos podcast, so you know I'll continue to talk about the Texans. But uh, the other thing that stood out to me yesterday was just the fact that Kareem Jackson is a really good player. Uh, you know, really tough to watch him leave. Yeah, we talked about it in, in free agency and during the off season. How you know that was the one guy me and John both wanted signed. Uh, for, you know, the Texans to retain him. You know, you don't get it, – it's not every day you have a nine-year guy um, that is willing and wanting to stay on the team, you know, and probably could have finished his career here. Now, he's still, I think, 31, so he still has some time. But just the fact that this – you know, we let him go. and We drafted him, and he's homegrown talent. We developed him. Uh, we found him a spot on – you know, in the secondary last year at safety – and, you know, you guys all know, based on just this podcast alone, and, you know, when you guys all listen. We have very smart listeners. So you guys listen every week. Um, you know, Kareem Jackson really was the brightest spot on this defense last year. And I told you multiple times, uh, I, I felt he was the MVP of this defense. He really brought, like, that uh, dog mentality, right, that just run through a wall, hit anything that comes. Uh, you know, I've said for a long time that he just his. His skill set and the way he plays corner, he would just be a better safety. You know, with things directly in front of him, him not having to back, tr- you know, uh, back out and you know keep up with a you know a wide receiver in press or, or in zone. Him kind of being able to just kind of roam around in the in the back and just kind of keep his eyes on the quarterback and the ball and you know everything in front of him. It, it's just it fits. Based on some of the struggles we saw from him early on in his career, especially, you know, his first two, three seasons, you know, he was not able to turn his head around and make a play on the ball. Um, as he's backpedaling, you know, he's struggling to be able to get in position to make the play. His hips just weren't really as loose as you'd like for your corner's hips to be. Um, and, but yet he was always very physical. He was always the Texans' best tackling corner. You, you could probably say he's the best tackling corner that this team's ever had. Uh, and, you know, Dante Robinson was a really good one. We've had a couple, but, uh, yeah, watching Kareem make the impact on the game the way he did yesterday, you know, just kind of showed the value that he had and that when he plays safety, he's a game changer. And he had a return for a touchdown, he had an interception, he had ten tackles, he had three pass breakups. I mean, he was just all over the field, and it's just not – it's, it's ideal for, for Kareem Jackson and how he wants to, you know, how he wanted to come back to Houston and play, but it's it's not the other way around. And um, You know, good for Kareem. I'm glad he got paid. I'm glad he's happy where he's at. I'm glad he's playing at a high level. We're going to end up getting a third-round comp pick for this because, or for him, because that's just the way that it's all working out to be. But uh, it's interesting when you look at the 2020 draft, the amount of draft picks that we'll have um, minus the first But, yeah, you know, good for Kareem. It sucks that it happened against us. You know, obviously it was on a much higher scale. We were watching him a lot more closer now than we were any other games that he's played this season. But he had a great game. He was a game-changer for him yesterday. So um, those were the things that kind of jumped out to me, uh, just like my instant reactions. You know, when we get into, like, the offense, defense, uh, you know, there's some things that – I really want to talk about for a while and it's going to be a little different because I won't have uh, John here to kind of go back and forth and and talk about with this but um, Deshaun Watson let's get into the office today I started to get a lot of backlash on Twitter because I put a lot of my opinions and thoughts out there and I just don't really care what anybody thinks Uh, I'm not paid for this I'm not a media member. I don't have relationships in the front office. You know, I've, I've talked to Bill O'Brien. I've emailed Bill O'Brien, but I really don't have a um, a lasting you know relationship with a lot of people in the Texans organization. I'm working on that. That's my goal, right? Is to be able to do things like that and ha- you know be able to send a text and get updates and things like that. That's definitely something I'm working on. But right now, that's not where it's at. And because of that. And even then, when that happens, um, I'll be able to be as honest because that's just who I am. But yesterday, the biggest thing that struck me about this game was the same thing that struck me in the Carolina game, the first game against the Chags, the first game against the Colts, the first game against or the last game or the only game against the Ravens, yesterday's game, uh, the second Colts game, even. When this offense has not been able to string together good drives and really be that offense that you expect it to be, Spudnik, you just won fantasy football because of that one catch by Golden Tate. I hate you. Uh, But thanks for going on the website. Um, The one thing that was constant in all of those games was... Deshaun Watson's performance. Now, I just mentioned five games. Now, before I get into some of the things that I saw, I want you to think about this for a second. In your time as a fan of the NFL, now, we've been, we're, we're, we're fans of the Texans, but, you know, we're fans of the NFL. We watch other games that are on, and we keep up with news, right? Like, if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously listen to other podcasts and stuff like that. When you take into consideration the fact that I was just able to mention five games in the span, so far, of 13 games where Deshaun Watson was completely off, what other top ten franchise quarterback currently in the league could you really say that about? Carson Wentz, maybe. Maybe. Maybe he might be the only one, but from a top ten quarterback perspective, name me another quarterback that has the peaks and valleys that Deshaun Watson has. There are there aren't any. It's really strange, right? When you think about a franchise guy, you think consistent, you think leader, you think the guy that really makes the engine move. Um, you know, he's the leader of the offense. He's the guy that has the ball in his hands you know, on offense every you know, every snap, you know, minus a wildcat here and there, but you know, he's the guy that that takes charge. He's the one that we can only go as far as Deshaun Watson will take us. And we're in year three of Deshaun Watson here in Houston. And it's been fun, right? It's been a blast. This has really been this has been the moment that as a Texans fan you've waited for. This is what we want. We wanted a franchise quarterback that we could count on and we felt could take us to the promised land and by no means am i by by no way or any way however it is my english is messed up today um am i saying that he is not the guy but what i witnessed yesterday and what i've witnessed throughout the season in these games is and, and they're happening in good games too is Deshaun's inability to be able to go through his reads. That's one, right? And that's not really the biggest aspect of Deshaun Watson that that bothers me right now. The biggest issue I have right now with Deshaun Watson is his inability to anticipate throws and throw his wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends open. And... The first half, and I didn't get to watch the whole first half. I only watched a couple of drives in the first quarter. Um, but I remember when I was at the game, I was watching. I had a great view. I was in the end zone. So it, when we were driving the opposite side of the field, it was like the All-22 film of me being able to watch as we were driving towards the opposite side of the end zone. Um, yeah, I was able to see everything. There was one play where um, it was four wide, three, either three or four wide. Uh, Kenny Stills was on uh, in the slot. Uh, Kiki and DeAndre were outside and actually no I take that back Kiki was in the slot Kenny was opposite of him on the right and then DeAndre was on the left and Kenny runs a post route and for for those that aren't familiar with what a post route is you're you're running a, a seam route right you're basically running straight ahead and then you instantly cut on an angle towards the end zone right on that play Deshaun Watson never looked at Kenny Stills and Kenny Stills was open for six this is in the second quarter now keep in mind I've only seen this play once so I could be totally wrong but this really ties into what I've seen from Deshaun just throughout these the season really you know it wasn't under the microscope now or that it is now last season and the season before because we were all so excited, we were here because we had Deshaun Watson. We were super stoked. We, you know, we all went and bought our four jerseys. He could do no no wrong. We're here. We have the greatest thing that's ever happened to us, and I still think we do. But when you are the leader of a team, you have to be able to understand that there's areas and ways for you to get back. And the reason why I say this is today, you know, all you see is Bill O'Brien slander, and. I'm not saying Bill O'Brien is the guy. I don't know if he's going to lead us to the promised land. But I'll tell you, what has Deshaun gotten better at since he's gotten here? Honestly, think about that. In three years, what have we seen from Deshaun Watson where we can go and say, yeah, he's gotten better in that area or he's gotten better in that area? There aren't a lot of those areas you can say that at. Actually, I'll tell you, there are none. He's always been accurate, right? But on those accurate throws, it's typically when the wide receiver is wide open, and that's all that has a lot to do with scheme, right? The route concepts that Bill O'Brien calls are what get the wide receivers open, as long as they execute those routes. That's why we're not why we didn't see Kiki on the field until this last week is because he was in it, not able to run the proper routes, and with Deshaun. His, his inability, one, to throw open his wide receivers, two, his inability to anticipate where his wide receivers will be on their breaks. For example, yesterday on the first drive of the series, we're on the 43 driving of you know, the Broncos. Uh, it's third and ten after a false start from Laramie Tunsil. Uh, Key's in the slot on the right DeAndre's on the right Lined up outside And Kenny's on the left uh, outside And it's third and ten uh, Deshaun snaps the ball Kenny runs an out route Towards the inside of the field And breaks inside And Kenny's wide open Now, it's not for a 10-yard gain. It could be for an 8- or 9-yard gain, but there's a lot that can happen on that play. The corner could slip. The corner cannot make the tackle. Kenny can make somebody miss. You can get a first down. Worst case scenario, you at least gain 8 yards, and instead of ending the drive in a punt, you end the drive in a field goal, which would have led to only the second time this season on an opening drive where we have had points. Uh, The Jaguars game... I forgot which one, either the one in London or the one in week two, but it led to a, a field goal at the end of our first drive. Outside of that, we've had zero points. And, you know, it kind of changes a little bit, right? You know, if you if you make that play and you extend the drive, or if you make that play and you get a field goal out of it, it it's just, you know, it's different. The The vibe is different for the team, right? You have something to believe in. You're scoring. Um, you know, you don't you, you, ch- you can change the game plan. There's just so many different things that go into three points and seven points. It it, it really changes the dynamic of, of of the the game. And when I'm watching Deshaun now, I'm starting to realize that his inability to anticipate where his wide receivers are going to be has really been the biggest issue. And outside of that, his inability to throw the ball away. You know, for the first two years here, we praised him. Uh, his immobility, being able to escape, extend plays, keeping his eyes downfield. You know, I mentioned two weeks ago that that magic seems to have disappeared. You know, it'll happen every once in a while. He'll break away and he'll, you know, he'll he'll make a play. Um, but it's not happening to the degree that it was happening prior to this season. And his inability to throw the ball away when he recognizes that either, one, he can't hit his receiver, two, he can't hit the check down, and he, he, he sidesteps, like in the Patriots game with Dante Hightower blitz, he sidestepped to the left to try to avoid the sack and ended up still taking the sack, When he could have thrown it away, not had the negative yardage and, you know, continued the drive. We brought in Carl Smith in the offseason to be the quarterback's coach. And I, was, I had high expectations. High expectations. You know, there were parts of Deshaun's game last year that I started to get into that made me start to just kind of make sure that, you know, not make sure because who am I, right, but but something I started to notice on areas where he needed to improve. I've, I've talked to Jordan Palmer a little bit about this. and um, Carl Smith. I, I haven't seen the difference from Deshaun Watson last year to Deshaun Watson this year. And it it starts to make me wonder, you know, how much of this is Deshaun and how much of this is Bill O'Brien you know, Is bill is is Deshaun receiving the coaching that he needs for him to develop you know that I, if that was the argument that people had about Bill O'Brien um I would listen a little bit more uh because i think that that's a fair that's fair uh you know he came back in 2018 uh signed his extension uh, Deshaun was all up in arms we making sure that he signed his extension and It really makes me wonder what 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 is Deshaun receiving, and we don't know. We'll never know. Um, you know, like John always says, you know, we can't wait for the book to be written about this entire you know organization. Um, but if Deshaun's not receiving the coaching he needs to develop, then that's a problem, and that's something that needs to be addressed. It's not anything that any of us will ever know. Uh, it's just not the way the league works. You're not going Nobody from the Texans is gonna come out and say that. Sean's not going to come out and say that. Sean's agent, David, isn't going to come out and say that. Most most people, there's just no way for us to know. But at the same time, right, like when when you're at work and you're not performing well, and if your boss doesn't tell you, or if your boss tells you at least that you're not performing well, uh, but doesn't give you like a developmental plan or something like that, it's on you at that point to be able to figure out what you need to do to get better, to make the adjustments. And... At what point is it time for Deshaun to start taking that step and figuring out what it is? You know, there's got to be something to him playing at night and playing on Saturday night, playing on Thursday night, uh, you know, late afternoon games. These twelve o'clock games for Deshaun Watson are don't tend to be his best games, and it's really strange. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna do i am th- I'm gonna post a thread tomorrow. I'm gonna go through the all twenty two of this game and and see if this is a trend. Um, From the game that I started to witness And hopefully I'm right that it continued throughout the game Uh, We left at halftime Uh, I I just, I knew we were going to lose There was just not enough Possessions in the third quarter For us to, the third and fourth quarter For us to really make it Based on what we saw from the defense and the offense That day. getting back to Austin A little earlier than getting back later Just made sense, but Um I'm going to post a thread on, on clips of, you know, his vision, his lack of anticipating the throws, and then the things I mentioned. But I really want us to start paying attention to what Deshaun Watson's doing and where his development is, because these are things that we need to see him get better at. And he can get better. He's a superstar athlete. He's a superstar personality. And he's somebody that we all love and adore, That we want to see him get better and take this team to the next level. Um, but he's got to start taking that on himself, and hopefully he does that. Uh, all right, so the run game, uh, you know, we had success on the ground. Uh, not a ton of success uh, to, you know, it wasn't that type of game, obviously, when you get down, uh, you know, in the, in the way that the Texans did so quick. Uh, that's really the first thing to go out the window is, is the run game. But, um, you know, Carlos Side was having a good day. Uh, Duke didn't get too involved in this game. Uh, you know, he would have caught a touchdown had there not been another false start by Larry Tunsell. Uh, he ran an angle route um, where he broke out and then broke in, and Deshaun hit him, and it would have been a very long game if not six, but uh, that was negated by a, another false start. Um You know, the wide receivers, you know, I really don't, you know, like I'm trying to think about, like, the good thing. Like, yeah, I know DeAndre had 120 yards in the TD. Uh, He also took a nasty hit from Kareem Jackson, by the way. Um, But, like, outside of that, like, unlike Bill O'Brien today, where at the press conference he said, you know, we did some good things yesterday. It wasn't all horseshit. Yeah, you're right, Bill. You did some good things against the team that was running, you know, three safeties and two corners and playing prevent. I don't know. You you didn't do anything when it mattered. Um, So I I don't really want to get into the offense and and some of the things that we saw from this offense because there was a lot of bad things, and a lot of it had to do with Deshaun Watson, and that tends to be a trend. It was a trend in the Carolina game. It was a trend in the Jags game where we... One because Justin Reed stopped him on a two-point conversion. Um, So you know, I guess the only other part of the offense that I really want to get into is just the fact that Kiki was active. Um, You know, yesterday I think was probably the the best game Kiki's had as a wide receiver for the Texans this season. Um, He looked like he was running the right routes. He was open uh, in space. Obviously, he had the fumble. Sucks, um, but what I don't want that to be is a reason for him to not be on the field moving forward. I really like what Kiki can do, especially out of the slot. I like Kenny Stills. I think he's a good wide receiver, but I think Kiki uh, in the slot is just a, it's a different dynamic to this offense. When you have Will, Kiki, and DeAndre, um, and then you add the tight ends, with, whether it be Aikens, Thomas, or Darren Fells. there's just there's so many weapons, and Kiki's so twitchy. Uh, you know, in the slot position, give him space and he's going to get yards. He can make people miss. It's not really Kenny's game. Uh, he's more of a polished, you know, route running wide receiver who can, you know, he'll he'll make his possession catches. But as far as the yak, you're not getting that with him. But you'll get that with Kiki. I would like to see Kiki continue. Uh, I hope that he doesn't go back into Bill O'Brien's doghouse, uh Given, you know, the fumble. Um, from yesterday uh, there were some drops uh, things like that uh, there, he had like one or two one drop you know Jordan Thomas had or Darren fells had a drop um, Jordan akins made you know one game play but outside of that like the offense was just abysmal yesterday and you know you would like to see more um, but as bad as the offense was the defense was that much worse um, you know I Last week we praised the secondary. And I was super high coming coming out of the Patriots game on the secondary, and I still am. You know, when you look at what Rack was doing yesterday, it's kind of interesting when you take into account the way that he game planned against the Wendland last week with putting corners on the running backs and things like that, and then you look and See that the tight ends for the Broncos are having a great day, and the running backs are having a great day. You got B. Mack in coverage, um, you know, forty yards downfield. For some reason, it it just looked like Rack didn't really have a game plan. And then when you take into consideration the rotation of the game uh, or the rotation of the corners in the game, it really didn't make much sense to me. Uh, given what happened last week, I would think that with Conley back if there was any rotation that was going to happen, it was going to be Conley and and J. Joe, right? Leave Roby out there, put Hargraves in the slot, let you know, J. Joe start if you need him to, you know, B.O.B.'s very loyal to his guys, it's always been one of his things, J. Joe's a veteran, he's the best free agent signing we've had, he's been very good for this team, and he's been very good for this team this year, Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, he's Getting to that point where you know he's starting to look at what he's doing after football, and you got Gary Conley, who you traded a third round pick for, and you have two more years left on his deal. Let's let's give him some snaps. Let's see what he can do, especially as we get geared up for the playoffs. You really want to have this secondary humming, and the fact that it wasn't all you know just the rotation of Lonnie Conley and uh, J Joe, It was all. Everybody outside of Hargraves, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Bradley roby has been really good for this team when he's on the field. Um, he was obviously amazing last week. Uh, you know, Why take him off? It really doesn't make much sense to me. Um, so I, I really don't know what Rack was thinking when it came to the secondary, um, but also just his, his approach to covering the tight ends. I really don't know why BMAC was in coverage as often as he was. Uh, You know, Denver did throw a lot. You know, on on downs where you expected a run, they were throwing. Uh, You know, maybe he was caught off guard. You know, and that's why Bmac was on the field. He was expecting run. I mean, I'm okay with Bmac being on the field, but let's set him in his own. You know, five to ten yards downfield. He doesn't need to be covering Noah Fant, who is a freak athlete and a rookie tight end who lit it up in college. That's where I'm like confused and. I think Rack deserves a ton of blame for this game. You know, coming off a grid game plan against New England, you come in here, you lay an egg against a rookie quarterback, you know, especially when you take into account kind of the record, you know, what is it, I think Rack is 30-1 against rookie quarterbacks or something like that. So it's a really good stat. And then, you know, you go against Drew Locke and he slices you up for over 300 yards and Four TDs and you know all these things. It's 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 just insane to me when I think about coming off of last week. And then we go into we're, we're playing the Broncos, who yes are a four and eight team, and yes they have potential. They have you know a solid foundation to potentially build on, but there was no reason for us to lose this game. And when you think about Rack and everything he's seen in the NFL, he should have been he should have been ready for this, and we should have been ready. The defense should have been ready, but it looked like there was just a lack of a game plan there for him to be able to. Uh, implement for the difference that was needed in this game. And you know, I don't I I really don't know what to say. I don't know why Tasha you know Tishon Gibson wasn't covering, you know, Noah Fant. You know, there's all that talk in the off season about how he's the he's the tight end killer um and things like that. Uh it was just interesting. And like I said, this you know, there'll be more clarification of this tomorrow when the All twenty two comes out. Uh, we had to record on Monday because I have a bunch of stuff going on this week. but um, Or I had to record on Monday because I have a bunch of stuff going on this week. Uh, we're getting ready to leave next week. but um, You know, it's just, I wonder what the game plan actually was. Then you look at, like, the snaps of Scarlett and Whitney. I think Jacob Martin logged 13 snaps this game. And... You know, I, I ask, find myself asking myself, why? Why is he Why is he only getting 13 snaps in a game where you were not able to generate pass rush? And, you know, sure, Whitney got his back, but, you know, Whitney has not been great this year. And if Whitney's going to be the center point of this pass rush, you know, it's going to be a long day for, for the defense, no matter how good the secondary ends up playing. Uh, I really don't think that... This last week is any indication of what we have in the secondary. Uh, It's the worst performance we've seen so far. I want to give it some time and see, you know, what it looks like as we continue. But, um, you know, maybe they were also looking past the Broncos. You know, you see that a lot in the NFL. It happens like two or three times a year, it seems. You know, this week isn't really an important game. You're playing an eh eh-team. But the following week, you're playing a division rival. It's for the playoffs. It's for the division. You know, the team tends to focus on that coming off the Patriots game. I don't know. I think there's a lot of moving pieces into this team. But it makes me really wonder kind of, if that's the case, then, you know, what is Bill O'Brien doing? And I think that's another conversation for another time. But, um, yeah, this defense was awful. Uh, It really was. It didn't make any sense. Uh, Like I said, with why is bmac covering noah fan i mean we've had bmac on this team for what five years now we've all known that he can't cover he's fine in a five to ten yard zone but outside of that he, you know he's he's not covering man- to-man he shouldn't have to he has not shown the ability to be able to do that he's your downhill run stopping middle linebacker and I, i'm not i don't really know why it doesn't make any sense to put Mac in coverage but I guess it is what it is. Uh, I I guess overall, kind of like my thoughts on the game, and we'll get to other parts of this, but other thoughts on the game is really, you know, my ending thoughts are Deshaun Watson has to start seeing the field a little bit better. Uh, He really needs to start throwing his his wide receivers open. He needs to anticipate the routes, being able to lead them where he needs them to go. Um, It's a big part of what makes the good quarterbacks, the great quarterbacks, is being able to do something like that. I mean, that, that's what the great quarterbacks have always done. And especially in this offense and how they run, uh, it, you know, the, the quarterback and the wide receivers have to be on the same page, understanding what the corners are doing, uh, what the safeties are doing, or is it outside leverage with their right arm, you know, how are their hips turned. And that lets the wide receiver know which route to run, uh, and that gives you know, Deshaun everything he needs to know about the play, especially pre-snap. And I just find it very interesting that this is a continuous trend for this team. And this is a continuous trend for, for Deshaun Watson. In his development, we're in year three, week 14, and yet we're still talking about the same things. And we will only go as far as Deshaun Watson takes us. And hopefully we would start to see things. You know, a lot of people bring up the fact that when you know when you mix in a lot of RPOs, you know, quick, you know, uh, no huddle, and you really get the quick, uh, you know, underneath passing game going. That's when he thrives, and you're right. You know, that is when he thrives. Um, that's when the offense thrives in general. But you know, there's other parts of this game where Deshaun has to thrive as well. And if you give teams the same look every week, it ends up catching up to you. You know, I know Baltimore is on an incredible run right now. But when you're doing that every week, eventually there's defensive coordinators and head coaches that say, okay, we've seen this before. We know what you're doing now. Uh, You know, if the Patriots stopped Baltimore in the playoffs, would you be shocked? I wouldn't be. That's the way the league works. Once there's enough film and tape, you know, that's how it works. And so for everybody that's saying, you know, we need to do good, do no huddle, we need RPOs, we need quick action, you know, quick passing game. Yeah, we do, and we need to sprinkle that in. I, I agree. I think that that should be part of the offense in general, but I don't think it's something we should lean on and do on a regular basis. I like that we're doing different things. Uh, you know, Deshaun has shown the ability to be able to stand in the pocket and dissect the defense, and then, you know, he has games like yesterday and Carolina and Baltimore where you're just like, geez, like, what's going through his head? And i really like to start to see those things cleaned up. You know, not Nacho Debro, I saw that you mentioned on the Discord, uh, you know, you're, you're hoping that we don't have another Bortles, or that we don't have a Bortles at quarterback. And I can tell you right now, we don't have a we don't have Blake Bortles at quarterback. You know, we really do have a top five talent at quarterback. Uh, we have to keep in mind he's 24. I think another thing to keep in mind is this is really his sophomore slump, right? Like when you take into account he played six games, he played seven games, started six his rookie year, uh, then tore his ACL. Last year, you know, he wasn't fully healthy. Then he wasn't fully healthy throughout the season because we had a terrible offensive line. You start to wonder what that did to his development. Then this year, you know, he's got a fixed offensive line, obviously missing Titus Howard, but protection wasn't an issue yesterday. Uh, You have to wonder, you know, how much of that is playing into uh, his development as well. I I think there's a lot of moving pieces. I think Deshaun has the talent to be an all-time great, and I expect that he will be. Uh, but I think this is kind of what comes with it, and you know, me criticizing him and saying some of the things that I've seen and and had issues with uh, isn't. I really don't want you guys to think that this is me um, hating On Dasan or uh, you know thinking of anything less of him. It really just boils down to the fact that he he really is a, he's a 24 year old quarterback that's you know dealing with adversity for the first time. Dealing with all new well, weapons on his team, Duke Johnson, Carlos Hyde, Darren Fills, uh, Jordan Thomas just got back and implemented uh, Kenny Stills, uh, Kiki on and off, Will Fuller missing. Um, there's just there's a lot of different things that are happening with this team, and you have to ask yourself, one, how long is it going to take for the team to gel, right? When you're when you're adding all these different components and all these players. Um, from a team perspective, it takes time, and it's not something that just happens by week ten. It, it may not even happen this season. Could be this could be a season that we're building, um, we're building off of, and next season you start to see the jump. But now, you know where we're at, and with the inconsistencies of this team and this offense. You know, I've said it before, you know, I've come on here and said, you know, everybody's pointing at Bill O'Brien. People aren't pointing at Sean. You know, then I saw a couple times where people were pointing at Sean and it tends to be Bill O'Brien. It goes back and forth. Once those two get on the same page, I really expect this game to be, um, I really expect them to be a contender. And I really think that they have the pieces on the roster to be able to do that. Uh, You know, Duke's got two more years on his contract. Kenny's got another year. Guarantee you will sign Wolfuller in the offseason. DeAndre's locked up. The offensive line's locked up. You know, Tuttle will be signed probably in this next offseason or the year after that. Deshaun same. Uh the secondary's young. You're at you have all young pieces in the secondary. Uh, the linebackers are fine. You're gonna have to resign Zach Cunningham. JJ will be back. Um, so I, I think the team and the foundation is here. Just when games like yesterday happen, just know that that happens across the league, and it's going to continue to happen throughout the league. Any given Sunday, any team can win. So, um, all right, that's enough. I'm going to get off my soapbox. I'm not trying to amp you guys up or motivate you. I just want you guys to kind of take things into consideration and understand that you know how this league works, and uh, most specifically, more specifically about how Deshaun can develop. Uh, let's get to these listener questions because I thought they were good. Uh, I think we had a lot of good ones. Um, Oh, actually, let's get into this. I have a a stat of the day. Uh, I I looked this up this morning, and uh, it was something I put up on Twitter, and it got a lot of interaction. But um, Lurmy Tunsil, three years in Miami, 13 false starts in three seasons. Lermi Tunsil, his first year in Houston, through 13 games, 13 false starts. It's funny because when we traded for for Tunsil, I was stoked. I think it was the right move. I still think it's the right move. I think it's a move you make um, any day of the week. (laughs) But I made a joke, you know, watch how he, you know, his development starts to take a step back and his productivity starts to take a step back once Mike Devlin coaches him. And then you look at this stat and you're like, what's going on? Now there's all sorts of, There's all sorts of moving pieces to this. Uh, Nick Martin, new center, getting adjusted to that. Uh, You know, Deshaun Watson's snap count, playing next to a rookie in Max Sharping. You know, new offense, new coach, asking him to do things a little bit different. There's all sorts of pieces, but it's something that's got to be cleaned up because these false starts are happening at literally the worst time, third and one, third and two. Uh, You know, I think it happened once when we were going for it on fourth and one, then we had to punt. Um, they're just drive killers. You know, when you look at our first drives in all of our games, it seems like there's been at least or there's been a false start on at least every, yeah. I think it's actually been every single opening drive. There's been a false start, and it's not a false start, there's been a penalty. It's a drive killer. You're killing the momentum of the team. Everything's having to stop. Slow down. You have to wait for the refs to call the penalty. You have to move the ball back. you got to get the call back in. you got to make the adjustments, get everybody lined up. Uh, it just, they just kill drives. And Lermy Tunsil has to figure it out. I saw that he, you know, he mentioned that he thinks he's being targeted. You know, he actually should have been called for more false starts yesterday. Uh, yeah, Steph Payne, I think, tweeted out a couple of videos of it and referenced the same thing. So um, he's got to clean that up. But, all right, before we get to the questions, let's do a quick AFC South update because I think this is a big, Part of kind of where things are going with three games left entering week 15. Uh, Right now, the Texans and Titans are tied for the division at 8-5. Colts are 6-7. Jags are 4-9. So, uh, obviously, this next week against the um, Tennessee Titans is a big one. Uh, From what I understand, the Texans only have to win... One of of these games against the Titans, if they lose to the Saints, to be able to make it to the playoffs. I don't think that's true though. I believe they need to at least win the Bucks and the Titans, or beat the Titans twice. Either way, I really expect this team to show up for this game um, on Sunday. I really do. I think Bill O'Brien will have them ready. I think Deshaun knows what's on the line. Uh, hopefully it's not a, uh, you know what, at this time last year we were playing the Eagles, right, and it would have helped us get a, you know, a bye into the playoffs. It's pretty interesting, but Deshaun had a great game against the Eagles. So hopefully this week, you know, it's, a, it's the same thing. I'm not really scared of the Titans. I know a lot of people are scared of the Titans. When you look at their schedule, they really haven't beat anybody that's worth really thinking about. You know, they lost to the Bills, the Panthers. They barely beat the Chargers. Uh, they barely beat the Bucks. You know, I know the Bucks just beat the Colts, but it, I don't know, I just, I know there's a lot of hype around the Titans, I know Ryan Tannehill's playing at, you know, an all-time high for him, um, but there's just something about the Titans that don't, I, I just, I don't buy them. And I know our run defense has been awful, so I should probably buy them because they'll probably run all over us, given what we've seen from this team in the run defense, but I don't know. Something about the Titans just are off to me, and I I just don't buy them. And maybe it's just the fact that every year it seems like they're talking about the Titans, and they say, you know, this is the year, this is when they're going to make their move, you know, this is when they're going to show what they're worth, and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But every year they always tend to fade out, right? Um, So, I don't know. If you can stop the run and force Tan Hill to stand in the pocket and throw, I think you have a pretty good chance. Um... I think if the offense is clicking, this is really the biggest part for me, I think if the offense is clicking for us, uh, I, I don't think that the Titans' offense can hang with us. I think if we can come out in the first drive and really start to hammer it home, uh, start to put them away quick, I think it will be a long day for the Titans. I think we have the opportunity here to just kind of flex one more time. You know, the next three games, Titans, Bucks, Titans, um, you know, we can finish the season 11-5, same mark as what we had last year it'd be good to go into the wild card round with three game win streak um, you know everything's lining up for the Texans they have the opportunity it's in their hands it just all depends on what they'll do with it and at this point we don't know what team we're gonna see right it, it's you know there's that trend that's going on I think it's lose one win two lose one win two so if you know, and I guess that's the trend of the team so far this season. If that's the case, then we'll beat the Titans and we'll beat the Bucks, which guarantees us a playoff spot. Lose to the Titans and then win two, which would be a wild card division, and then we lose in the in the AFC championship. I guess if that happens, a lot of teams you know, a lot of fans will be happy. Um if we if we taste the AFC Championship, I'm gonna be upset we don't make it to the Super Bowl. But um I'm not worried about the Titans, really not. I think this offense is going to show up. I think Bill Brown's going to have them ready. I wouldn't be surprised if Rack has a game plan plan in place to be able to stop the run, Um, maybe send some things at Ryan Tannehill. But I I expect the Texans to win this game. All right, let's get into our questions. So the first two are from Discord, spanky underscore climax. Do you guys think we need to start looking for a fuller replacement? He drastically changes our offense, and we have a much higher success rate with him on the field. But he misses almost half a season every year. Yeah, I think I mentioned it last year uh, or last week in the podcast, um, recapping the Patriots game. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it, I, I honestly I would be totally fine with our first pick in the draft. I think it's second round. Um, obviously, draft slots aren't aren't decided yet, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if. They took somebody that high. Because um, you're right. Will Fuller is what makes this offense move. When he's not on the field, everything changes. And, you know, I don't know if that's a schematic thing. That's a Bill O'Brien thing. Uh, you know, Kenny Stills, he, he's a burner, but he's just he's not Will Fuller. You know, it's funny. At the beginning of the season, everybody's like, well, you got Kenny Stills. You know, he's Will Fuller insurance. Mm, not really. I mean, he, he's not Will Fuller. Um but, you know, he's a, good, he's a good third option to have on the team. I, you know, the, the Chiefs took Mer- Mercole Hardman uh, for Tyreek Hill insurance. He's had a really good year for them. When Tyreek Hill has been banged up. He's had a really good year for them when Tyreek Hill is on the field, they'll line them both up. Um, so, yeah, I would invest, uh, you know, a high pick in, in a Will Fuller insurance type player. The, the problem is there's not a lot of those. And, um, you know, it's not just about fast. It's, that's not what separates. Um, that's not what makes Will Fuller as good as he is, and I've said it a million times before, and I'll, I'll keep saying it. What makes Will Fuller great is the fact that he has that 4-3 speed, but he's also just a crisp, polished route runner. He can run all his routes. So when you add the combination of his speed and his route running abilities, it's just its a nightmare. There's just just watch his curls, watch his slants, watch his out routes, uh, watch his double moves. Those are his double move, maybe the most potent double move in the league. Uh, it's really interesting to see. So when you add the four three speed and his route running abilities, it just makes him special. And I don't know if you're going to find a talent like that in this in the second or third round, but uh, it's worth a shot. I mean, you need it, right? We know he's only going to play eight games a year, so yeah. At this point, I would. Um, all right, uh, thanks for the question, Spanky. I feel really weird saying that out loud, so uh, now I'm gonna have to edit that out. Uh, all right, uh, another one from Discord, uh, Sputnik. Do you do y'all think our inconsistencies as a team is better explained with the lack of time many of our starters have had together on the team and in the system than just Bob Rack bad? <laughs> that's really funny, So it's pretty much what you see, right? Um, I think Rack. You know, I think Rack has his moments. Um, if if the team moved on from Rack this offseason, I wouldn't be upset. Uh, I do think Rack is a Hall of Fame uh, assistant coach, um, one of the better, you know, maybe a top five, top ten defensive coordinator of all time. When it comes to game plans against the top tier teams, he tends to do pretty well. Uh, you know, everybody freaks out when he plays prevent like he did against the Patriots. But, you know, when I look back at the Patriots game in the divisional round with Brock Osweiler, quarterback, that was just one of those games where when you watch the game plan that Rack put in, it was just a really good game plan. Um, it was Tom Brady's worst playoff performance. We were just living in the backfield. And those moments are what make me think, I don't think he's passed his prime to the point where you can't make those types of game plans and implement them on game day. I, I just, you know, do we want something new? Do we want something fresh? You know, given the changes in the personnel, the changes in the secondary, uh, the loss of Clowney, the additions of Jacob Martin, um, you know, potentially losing Whitney this year, uh this off season. Uh I think it just kind of depends on where the team is going uh with their personnel. Are they going to go to a more four three look, more three four look? Um you know, what do they want to do? Is Chi coming back fully healthy? I think there's a lot that goes into this team and what they want to do. Um, so hopefully we don't move on from Rack. But, yeah, that that wow, I really went on the tangent there, sponnik. Yes, I do think that there is a part of it that's you know, the starters have not had a ton of time together, right? You know, Tunsil was added, you know, a week or two before, uh, and he was a little banged up. Um, you know, Titus Howard missed. Max Sharping was there for all of OTAs and off-season workout. Duke Johnson was hurt during the off-season. Carlos Hyde was an addition on cut day. Uh, Kenny Stills came when Tunsell came. Um, Darren Phyllis had a a bad start to training camp. We haven't had Jordan Thomas. You add in the secondary aspect of Conley Hargraves and uh, Lonnie Johnson um, and Bradley Roby all... You know, all four are brand-new corners to this team. You know, the only constant is Jonathan Joseph. You know, Tayshaun Gibson and Justin Reed haven't played all their games together this season. Tayshawn was hurt. Justin Reed was hurt. So, yeah, I think there's a ton of moving pieces. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the inconsistencies probably lie there. Um, I don't really know where else he could look. Uh, it, it just takes time to build that camaraderie, that gel uh, as a team. And that's why I said earlier, you know, this may not be the season that we're, in, that we're hoping for, but it could be a season that we build off of, and, you know, no fan wants to hear this, but this could be the season we build off of and, uh, you know, look back and say, okay, that's where it all started. Because almost everybody on this team will be coming back next year, and, you know, it, it's going to take time for them to be able to put it all together, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of the path that we're on. All right, on Twitter, mo underscore b in nineteen eleven. Real talk, I'm actually scared the Texans won't make the playoffs. It's uh, one bad game we've all said they are capable of beating and losing to anybody. It's no different than any other NFL team. Yeah, you know, not really much of a question, <laughs> first and foremost. Um, but I'm not scared that they won't make the playoffs. Uh, you know, they could lose – they could go 9-7 and seven and potentially make the playoffs, you know, so things would have to break their way. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just about getting Deshaun to the playoffs and seeing what he's capable of doing uh, and hope we have a Sunday night game, right? Because that's when he plays good is when he is able to sleep in on Sundays and show up to the field when he when he wants to. But, uh, yeah, I – I'm not worried about them not making the playoffs. I really am not. I really I think they're going to make the playoffs. And um, I, I think that they'll win a game or two. Uh, they, they have the personnel. They have the quarterback. Uh, I guess we'll see over time, but I expect them to make the playoffs. I don't think you have any reason to be scared that they won't. Uh, Twitter at, at the Air Joe. Uh, what will we do to stop Derek Henry? It's a really good question. Um, you know, this team over the last four weeks hasn't shown the ability to be able to shut down the run. Um, you know, prior, you know, the you know first eight weeks of the season that was really our strength. That's what we were able to do, uh, and then obviously when we lost JJ. Um, that kind of changed, which is crazy because J.J. wasn't really great against the run either. But I think it was more about the attention that J.J. garnered, um, whether it be pass defense or rush defense uh, run defense. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, I think there's lots of things we can do. I think there's a lot of things schematically that, that Rat can do. Uh, you know, obviously everybody being – you know, Tannehill is also a, an athlete. He played wide receiver in, in, um, in college. So I think being, you know, everybody being disciplined, uh, sticking to their gap assignments, uh, having outside contain, and just Zach and BMAC having the game of their life. I think with DJ, Zach, and, and um, sorry, I just saw a picture of Peyton Manning and it made me like kind of, I don't know, just noticed it, but um, now I'm on at football. Uh, Zach Reeder and BMAC really need to have their, their best game of the season to be able to stop Derrick Henry. Derek Henry's playing at an all-time high. Um, I think he's second in in rushing yards so far this season behind uh, CMC. Uh, He's really – he's what makes that offense go. If you can slow him down and force Tyne Hill to stand in the pocket and try to pick your defense apart. You know, if this secondary can get back to what we saw them play against the Patriots. They don't have – you know, A.J. Brown's having a really good rookie year. But outside of that, Corey Davis has been average. Uh, You know, Humphreys has been average. They don't have a ton of weapons. Delaney Walker's out for the season. Uh, so, you know, the secondary has the opportunity to be able to do what they need them to do uh, to, to shut down the passing game. We just uh, we need to stop the run, and I think there are things that you can do. And with BMAC, DJ, and Zach, they're, they're more than capable of shutting down the run. Uh, it just comes down to if they'll be able to or not. So, honestly, I don't know if we'll be able to or what we will do to stop Derrick Henry uh, but I would think that that, you know, what I mentioned as far as you know, staying disciplined in your gap assignments and, um, you know, containing the outside will be big. Not creating rushing lanes and uh, just kind of sticking to what's there. All right, my boy, Daa Texans, uh, is this the last straw for Romeo Cernyell? O'Brien called him the fuck out this Monday's presser, and frankly, I'm really beginning to believe most of this is in him, on him. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't think this will be the last straw. You know, you have to chalk this one up to, you know, I don't want to say the team is more prepared, but I think that the Broncos, you know, minus, you know, take their record out of it. You know, they're playing for next season, and I don't think people put a lot of stock into, uh, you know, what it means to be a quarterback and what you have to show for the franchise to believe it's you. Uh, you know, Drew Locke was great at Mizu, um, and this was the second start. He, you know, he took the opportunity and showed that he deserves another week of evaluation. And at the end of the day, that's really what it's about when it comes to this team. it comes to this league in that position, is you got to buy yourself one more week when there's a lot of unknown about the position, specifically with the Broncos right now. They've been a turnstile at quarterback uh, since Peyton Manning retired. Uh, and, you know, he came out with a point to prove. And, uh, you know, his tight end, Noah Fant, you know, I really think Noah Fant's going to be a monster in this league, whether it's Drew Locke that's, you know, throwing to him or not. I I really th- love Noah Fant in, in the draft. I really thought that, you know, there would be a chance we would take him. Uh, I know we had Aikens and Thomas from the year prior, but I just like Noah Fant. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to say that Romeo Cornell – I can't say it's the last straw. I really can, and it all kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier as far as what we've seen from Rack in the past. I don't think it. I don't think the game's past him. Um, you know, if we did move on from him, I wouldn't be upset. But at the same time, you know, I want to see what he does in the playoffs because that's really when he's called his best games. When you think of Oakland Patriots, uh, sure, the Chiefs game happened, but. Um, You know, how much of that was on Rack and how much of that was on Brian Hoyer? Uh, What, he threw four interceptions? I remember just wanting to drive through a cliff that day, by the way. Uh, I should have never thought that we had a chance with Brian Hoyer at quarterback, but, God, that was an awful playoff performance. So, no, I I don't think it's the last rough for Rumi or Canel. King of Macaroni on Twitter. What are the adjustments that you feel will make this team more consistent? Well, I think uh, I think having the same personnel on on on, uh, on the field every Sunday is going to help, right? Like when you look at the offense, uh, you know, Titus Howard's first game out was last week, um, so you have Darren Fells blocking more. Prior to that, you know, he was our main pass catching tight end. That had to change when he has to block to make up for the uh, the loss of Titus Howard. Um, You know, the no Will Fuller, no Kiki, um, plays a part in the offense, just not being able to tell. And uh, Deshaun not getting on the same page as his wide receivers. Um, So when when I think of consistency and, uh, you know, the adjustments that need to make for that to happen, you know, I think the personnel has to be consistent for there to be consistency. And throughout the season, we haven't seen consistent personnel. When we have seen consistent personnel, we see top-tier offense and pretty good defense. And I think for that to be seen the rest throughout the rest of the season, we got to get Will Fuller on the field. Uh, he needs to stay. We need to get Kiki on the field. Um, I'd like to see Darrell Phillips get back into uh, the receiving game. i really like to get back to establishing the run. I think that's one thing that people are leaving out about this team is, you know, prior to, what, you know, four weeks ago, Carlos Hyde was on the tear. Um, he was, he, we established a run game with Carlos. He was very good, very explosive in the backfield, uh, You know, running up the gut. I'd like to see us get back to establishing a run game because Deshaun seems to play better when there's a run game established. Uh, but you know, I think that the consistency aspect just has a lot to do with the personnel. When you look at defense, it's the same thing. We've had a ton of injuries in the secondary, whether it be our safeties or corners. Um, you know, We lost J.J. Watt. You know, Clowney is gone. Uh, Jacob Martin comes in, comes out, comes in, comes out. Brennan Scarlett was out. Uh, We lost Dylan Cole. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening on the personnel side that you know make you wonder. You know, what if these guys were healthy? And but that's just not the NFL. You know, you're you're never going to have all all 46 of your active day roster your players be healthy throughout the season. It's not the way it works. So you have to be able to make adjustments. The problem is we come in and out every week of different lineups and different uh, uh, on both defense and offense, and you know it's hard for the team to get to gel and have the consistency that is needed for us to be a good team. And I think that, that plays a big part in it. Uh, all right, at M.H. Kelso, how can the secondary turn a in a season best performance against Brady? The season worst against rookie quarterback. We saw the ceiling and the floor of the Texans back-to-back weeks. Yeah, it's a very good point. Very good point, M.H. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with the scheme. I think a lot of it had to do with the rotation of what Rack was doing with the game plan. You know, I'm not really sure if uh, what you know Rack was thinking with rotating out Lonnie Conley and J.J. Uh, you know, with Cortland Sutton being such a big. I think he's like six four two, like, 35, 240s, big wide receiver, very physical. If he thought, you know, he'd look and see who would be the best matchup. You know, Lonnie Johnson's pretty big, very physical, lanky arms, uh, tall guy. If he kind of wanted to see what that would look like. But then again, when you look at the secondary, uh, you know, you, you have to ask yourself, you know, was it really them, you know, did the secondary really cause the issues yesterday? You know, the wide receivers really didn't have a great day. Um, but... You know, the, it was more the coverages and, and the scheme from Rack with lining up BMAC on, you know, tight ends and having them in deep zones, uh, the safeties, you know, not playing in the box and picking up the running back out of the backfield, that was BMAC or, or Zach. So, I don't know if the if really we know what we have in the secondary yet. I think the potential is there, right, with Conley, Hargraves, um, Lonnie, Bradley Roby, and J. Joe, right? But... It's what combination is going to be the best for this team. You know, Hargrave's had a fine game yesterday, so he looks like he's going to be a good addition. Conley, we've seen in moments, is really good. Bradley Roby has been good all year. Uh, you know, Lonnie Johnson's, going to have, Lonnie Johnson's going to have his rookie moments, but I think he's had a pretty good rookie season as well. Uh, and J. Joe has been fine this year, too. He hasn't really been a liability in coverage. The only time he's a liability is when he decides to throw his shoulder into a big wide receiver or tight end. And you know hurt his shoulder every other play like he has for the last two years. So um, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but I do think that uh, we'll see more about we'll learn more about the secondary these next three games, and we should have a good understanding going into the offseason which direction we should go. Uh, at Trevron, why would we rotate cornerbacks rather than assign the top three, whatever the combination, to one receiver each? What's the assumed benefit other than the rest? Yeah, I think rest was a big part. And I also think just the fact that kind of some of the things I mentioned, uh, you know, you look at matchups with Gordon Sutton, you look at matchups with uh, some of their smaller receivers, you know, Vernon Hargraves was the only constant on the field. Uh, You know, maybe they wanted to see what else they had in the other corners to kind of give them an idea of what they would have going into next week. Right. Who would be the best second, which would be the best, which three would be the best uh, corner group going into the Titans to line up against Corey Davis, Adam Humphries and AJ Brown. Um, you know, I think it was just giving them a better look. It's the first time they've had all five wide res- or all five corners healthy uh, and on the field at the same time, so maybe they wanted to see, you know, who would be the best group. Um, th- that's really all I can think of. I don't really know of any other uh, reasoning to do that. You know, when you think about the game and you think about how much, you know, consistency and flow matter, right? Rhythm, staying on the field... Um, getting the reps needed. You know, that, that plays a part in being able to build on, you know, your success of drives and snaps um, and build that continuity as secondary. So I, I'm hoping that this week we see Rack go back to a traditional, you know, scheme where uh, hopefully my ideal three, I don't, I'm not sure if that's what you were asking as well, but my ideal three would be Conley, on the outside, Roby on the outside, grades in the slot, and then, you know, in packages that call for four or five corners, you would bring in JJ and Lonnie Johnson. So that that's it for me. That's what I would do. Um. All right, let's see here. That's it. Wow, that's a lot of questions. Uh, thanks for the questions, guys. I'm glad that we were able to get to them all. Um, I know this isn't the ideal podcast for you guys coming off of, uh, you know, a loss that we had. Uh, I know you guys actually, you probably look more forward to the loss podcast than you do the the winning podcast. At least for me, that's kind of makes it easier for me to kind of dissect and see what's wrong. Uh, You know, it's easy to see what was right and, and have those, you know, have that podcast. But, um, this was not a good game. This was an ugly game. You know, we didn't look ready. Deshaun didn't have his game as usual and – or didn't have the usual game. I don't want to say as usual. That came off that. but But, uh, you know, I expect this team to bounce back. I think we'll beat the Titans in Nashville next year or next week. Um, and I think that we'll make the playoffs. And at the end of the day, that's what you want to do. You want to see what four can do in the playoffs. Hopefully we have that opportunity. I expect this team to show up, beat the Titans. I think we'll beat the Bucks, and after that we'll probably rest everybody against the Titans and just kind of take whatever it is. You can kiss a bye-goodbye uh, unless there's some monumental collapse from the Patriots, which I don't expect. Uh, Their schedule just after the Bills game. Really, there's no way for them to lose. I think they play the Bengals this week. So, uh, But, yeah, I expect the Titans to lose. I expect us to go on a run. And hopefully we're hot going into the playoffs. So with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed the, the uh, solo podcast this week, recapping the Broncos game. Uh, before we get out of here, a uh, quick uh, house cleaning uh, thing. If anybody out there has a, uh, any experience in marketing, um, we're looking to uh, grow the podcast and build the brand. Um, if anybody has any ideas of uh, things that they'd like to do or have a marketing background, uh, feel free to send me an email at james at james.texansunfiltered.com. Uh, we do have one of our uh, Discord members that's working on something as well uh, regarding social media. Uh, but, you know, I had a really interesting meeting over the weekend. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of good things from you guys about the podcast and kind of what your thoughts are and what you think our potential is. And uh, it's always nice to hear. And when you hear that, it kind of reconfirms what you've already believed and it makes you start to think outside the box on how you can grow and uh, so, with that being said, you know I'm looking for anybody that has a marketing background that would like to you know maybe have a meeting uh, maybe lunch or dinner to talk about uh, some of the things that we could do better and how we could uh, grow uh, our platform. So send me an email at james at texansunfiltered dot com With that being said, I'm young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We will catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. And everywhere podcasts can be found... And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.